You're listening to Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris. Inspirational Perspective is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. Are you living the best life possible? You can subscribe to the Inspirational Perspective blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com. Follow Linnell on social media. Go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also follow Linnell on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. In this recording, Linnell interviews David Morgan of DL Morgan Financial. Linnell and David explore how we behave with our money. Let's join the conversation. There are two things that I know people get really wonky about. And one is time. And you know I've spent a lot of time talking about time. You know, we've talked about time wasted, time management, using time productively. I mean, the list goes on. But what I haven't done is dedicate a show to money. And so there's two things that people get wonky about, right? Time and money. And very seldom have we ever talked about money. And so I thought, you know, hey, you know what? Let's have the conversation because, you know, I'm not being a good life coach if I don't hit on one of the things that you guys get wonky about. And what better time of year than to talk about money now? Right. Because uh, I know some of you have already hurried off to get your tax returns. But, you know, this is when we're thinking about money. How much money did I make last year? You're looking at your W-2. How much money do I want to make this year? Because for some of you guys, this is the first quarter is all about performance and performance reviews and appraisals and merit increases and bonuses. So a first quarter of every year is all about money, 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 money. And so want to have a conversation. Well, in order to do that, I uh, invited a special guest to join me this evening. And so I have Mr. David Morgan, who is the founder and CEO of DL Morgan Financial. And David is a certified professional accountant, otherwise known as a CPA, and is also a tax advisor and does some planning. But to keep his title short, you know, I'm just going to refer to you know, Mr. Morgan as a money expert. So welcome, sir. How are you? I'm good, Mr. Ayers. How are you today? Oh, man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, blessed. Good, good. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about this topic. And I know you are. This is what you do. Yeah, it's a great topic. <laughs> it's a great topic that uh, a lot of people don't touch on. It's, this is the time you did key on that, that this is the time that people are really thinking about all the things they should have done in previous year that uh, they're paying the price for now. So this is a good time to really get people going for the new year and start changing some things up for upcoming time. Nice. Absolutely. <clears throat> nice. I do have a number of questions for you, but first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, 27-year accountant, been practicing 27 years. Uh, got some credentials behind my name. I don't like to brag on them, but there's some titles and some EAs. But I need to clarify something for the listeners. I'm not a CPA. I'm an EA, which is an enrolled agent. Uh, an enrolled agent is a tax specialist. We specialize in tax laws. There's only three designations that can practice before the Internal Revenue Service, and that's a CPA, an attorney, or an EA. I chose that route because uh, a number of things. Number one is that that is the largest tax you're going to pay. And if you realize that you're paying sales tax, property tax, payroll tax, social security tax, infrastructure tax, (laughs) you know, all these taxes, Mm -hmm. it kind of puts a different light on where you want to go with this as far as just understanding the tax laws and how these structures and infrastructures came up that's really penalizing the average working person. Okay. So that's 
that's my specialty. Cool, cool, cool. And then how would people reach you? So if they hear something that you're saying, they have questions, how would they find you? Well, there's a couple of ways to reach me. Number one, you can reach me on my website. It's www.dlmorgan, S as in Frank, S as in Sam, dot com. So that's www.dlmorganfs.com. My office number is 708-957-5090. That's 708-957-5090. Or you can text me to taxes, T-A-X-E-S, at dlmorganfs.com. Got it. Got it. All right. And then I'll be asking uh, David to share that with us later in this show. So if you didn't catch it this time, then, you know, by all means, you can catch it later in the show. Or you can always, you know, hit me up on Twitter. I'll forward it on over to you or on the Facebook page. All right, so, you know, I want to get into these questions because I have a number of questions and we have a limited amount of time. And, uh, you know, so for me, I'm a life coach, all right? And I'm I'm always thinking about behavior, right? So human behavior, you know, the study of ontology and ontological coaching is, you know, all about behavior and being and who we're being. And so I wanted to get into who people are being with money. And I thought, you know, you have a lot of experience with this. You have a number of clients. And so why not bring somebody like you on the show? Because it is such a fundamental part of our lives. Absolutely. But, but the first question I have is how have you seen people properly use money? And then I want to, I want to put it in contrast and misuse money. You know, I think money, based on my client base, I think it's cultural. I think it's a cultural behavior of learning and lack of knowledge. Mm. I don't want to get too deep and say that one culture is better than another. I would never say that because I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that one culture teach better than another. Mm. And cultures across the country teach better than others. Most of my client base, probably 80%, maybe 85% is African American. Okay. And it behooves me and it hurts me constantly to see how we, as a people, misuse, abuse, and don't understand money. And we're always after the chase of it, mm-hmm. but it's right there in our face and we don't see it. I see that often, quite often. And I think it's just a lack of education. And I think it's, uh, I think it's just cultural behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree with you. I, I think, you know, with money or almost any other thing, any other commodity that we have, it's it's about education. You know, let me let me ask you this. So you you know you spoke on cultural ch- terms, and you know I'm with you there. I, I I can't say that I disagree at all. But let's go to the more appreciative side of it. How have, how have you seen money properly used? Properly used. Properly used is is savings. Is looking at the future, not looking at the now, not keeping up with the Joneses, not keeping up with the stereotypes. But just the advancement, and we go all, we're going to probably say education 100 times tonight, mm-hmm. is educating and understanding. Do you have a savings account? Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have proper life insurance? Do you put up for your kids? Are you putting up for your kids' kids? Because I could have sworn that's what the Bible said. We need to put up for our kids' kids. Mm-hmm. I might be misquoting that, but I could have sworn I've heard that in one of the sermons I've been through. But are we doing that? And I see that we're not. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the ways I believe that we could we could really focus. We need to not look at our generation or our kids, but we need to be looking at our future families and how we can start investing and putting things away from them. One of the major things that really messed me up early on when I was an accountant is that I seen a woman 
going to a Social Security office, mm-hmm. trying to save for an unborn child. Her daughter was pregnant, and she wanted to set up a savings account and wanted to get a, a Social Security number for a child that wasn't even here yet. Mm. That behooved yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that just put me in a perspective like, wow, she is thinking way ahead of the game. Right. And I'm thinking at the time, you know, what next suit I'm going to buy. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. It's a contrast of thinking, and that contrast of thinking is taught from generation to generation to generation. And that generational curse or blessing has pursued and continued for generation and generation and generation. So if you look at the, the, the divide, why one culture is advancing and another culture is not, Look at that same analogy that I just said. Right. This young lady was trying to, for a future, we're looking at rims and MTV. Okay. Understand where we are? Right, yeah, and I get it, I get it. And, and, and you know, so that that's an interesting point. It, it's a very interesting point, and uh, hopefully, you know, my listeners out there, you maybe you're scratching your heads and, you know, you're either shaking your heads, yes, or, and if you disagree, I'd love to hear from you. I want to get into some of the typical things about money, right? What are some of the typical ways you've seen clients or, or people you've worked with lose money? I mean, just kind of, you know, okay. Okay. And, and so, you know, you know, my role professionally, I'm a, I'm a chief diversity officer at a large organization. And so I'm constantly confronted with numbers. And one of those mm-hmm. numbers is, uh, you know, the amount of ethnic spend and when I say yes. ethnic spend, I'm not just talking about African-American. I'm talking about Hispanic, Asian, whatever. But people of color, the mm-hmm. ethnic spend is tremendous. And, but if you look at African-American spend, it's I mean, it's powerful. I mean, the African-American yes. dollar is powerful. But somehow that money does not stay within our communities. And so, you know, talk to me about typical ways that we lose money. Well, one of the ways is that, again, as you just said, we don't spend it in our own community. Mm-hmm. We'll go outside our community and spend it. Because for some odd reason, we think the other side is better. Or it's just behavior. It's just, I take it all the way back to slavery. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the inside slave versus the outside slave. You know, the inside slave believes that they're better. Or something outside of what they see or who they right. are right. is better. You understand? Which mm-hmm. means that we're going to go way out to the suburbs and spend money when we have the store here. Yeah. However, well, you know, I'll tell you, you, you don't have to go to the something. suburbs. Let me, let me go back to that point, uh-huh. but understand something. Just say we have two stores. Right. I understand that the store here is going to pay a higher tax because it's in the city versus the store in the suburbs. Right. I understand that. But I'm talking about the smaller stores. I'm talking about patronizing the businesses. We're the only culture mm-hmm. that really do not patronize Uh-oh. each other. And we, we, it's sad that it's at that point but spending would never recycle itself if we don't start changing and educating each other and giving. We have to start giving to each other. We have to start assisting. So here's another thing we do. Credit cards. We will buy something with a credit card in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. We see it. We don't have the money. Charge it. Okay. That's, that's a curse. Yeah. A credit card, in my, pro- in, in my thinking, in my process of thinking, is credit is a curse. Right. And, I, I, and it's a it's a it's a fundamental way to lose money because yeah, you, you're purchasing you're like purchasing gambling. something that's on sale. You're like, OK, I'm saving money. But once the interest hits and, you know, you pay for it a year later, you've actually paid quite a bit more than anybody else has. And we got some educated. 
educated yeah. people, of course. Yeah, of mm-hmm. course, there's a lot of educated listeners here. So we have those educated ones that know that credit is used as a tool mm-hmm. to purchase, get points for travel. Right. Uh, you know, we, we <laughs> use it for like it. a means. And, right. you know, I'm quite sure you're doing the same thing because that's what I've done, uh-huh. you know. But it's for a benefit. Okay, I'm going to buy this. I know I'm at the end of the month, and I'm so anal about it. You know, I would buy it, and probably a week later I would just try to send a check or pay it, you know, because I just hate the fact that I have something that I owe. And that's just been a pet peeve of mine, period. It's just been something that's innate and growing to me, that to owe someone is just, it irritates me. But that is a way to use credit. Use credit positively to Mm -hmm. purchase that home, you know, to purchase that vehicle, to purchase a major item, and try to focus on, you know, doubling those payments up, tripling those payments up to get that interest rate down, or moving money from one side of a card to another. We used to play that game where one interest card was high, and you borrow at 2%, and you put everything on that one. I mean, you just there's things that you have to do in order to survive, because right. we're being taxed to death, if you think about it. And oh, yeah. our interest rates are what? And credit card interest rates 21%? On average, on, on average, average, yeah. Right. And, so what they and, said and, on a, and, about a hundred, fifteen hundred dollar, uh, what a fifteen hundred dollar bill? It yeah. take you eight years to pay it or something crazy like that. A, a long time, but you know, to add to that, to add to you know the, the fact that you have high interest rates, you know, the more degraded your credit is, the higher the interest rate will be. Hey, look, exactly. I, I have a call. I want to get him in because he wants to talk about consumerism, and then after that, I want you to be thinking about what are some of the typical ways you've seen people. Uh, make money because okay. I want to sure. make sure we're we're giving it uh, a balanced conversation, not sure. only about what's going wrong, but what can be going right. So, Absolutely. but but I got Ron from Chatham. Chat, uh, Ron, what's on your mind? You know, I just want to speak about what what I find. I mean, as far as in our community collectively, that our relationship with money is particularly strictly consumerism. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you talk to people, and they'll say they take pride in how much they spend on. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Right. Oh, I spent a hundred dollar on this, as opposed to say, hey, you know, I got this, you know, maybe for six, seven dollars I saved. I mean, it just really it, it's very sad. But in our community, collectively, that's what the relationship. You all asked about the money with relationship is strictly, strictly consumerism. You you never hear overall. You don't hear people say I saved this. It's like pride in how much I spent. So until we really change, and then, again, as you all are talking about, it's really never spending in our community. But as long as people find some kind of pride in how and much things. they spent as, as opposed to how much they save, mm-hmm. you know what? Mm-hmm. They're going to continue to be in debt, and um, their, their, their uh, situation won't change. So those are my comments. Hey, this conversation. Good. Thanks, yeah, thanks a lot, Ron. I mean, that's that. yeah, that was that was a good comment. That was you know, to that point, to that point, he talked about consumerism, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting because when you study business, you study businessmen. I know I was just reading in Forbes that Michael Kors just became a billionaire. You know, so on the other side of consumerism, you have producing, mm-hmm. and very seldom. Hey, so I'm I'm kind of getting ahead of you. You can answer the question your way, but I'm I'm thinking about the question I just asked you. What are typical ways you've seen people make money? The way I've seen people make money is by putting their money into producing something that can be sold. You know what? Let me go back on something that the brother said. Mm-hmm. He hit me with something, and it just hit me that I need to say this. And I would pose the question to the audience and to yourself: mm-hmm. Do you think that we are in a position of spending? And look at me. And I got the latest and the greatest because of lack of never having. 
Now, so you you asking a life coach that I can give you, <laughs> I, <laughs> and I, I can give you my perspective. What's your perspective you know, on that? Let's reverse this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So you know, my perspective on it is you know, anything, any behavior we have is based in a context. And the context, there's a number of different contexts that we look at as life coach, but there's one in particular that I think lines up with that well, and it's the context of not enough. And when I say not, not enough. enough, it's not not enough things to buy. I don't, you know, not enough, not, not a big enough not house, not a big enough car. It's I'm not enough. Mm. Wow. And when you're, when you're operating your life in that context, which, you know, and all contexts are within a survival mechanism. And, you know, we, we illustrate the survival mechanism as a triangle, which is basically you're trapped in the triangle of three different things. Feelings, fear, and self-defense. Feelings, fear, and self-defense. And it just kind of oscillates. But if you're in that context and it's not enough, then you're almost trapped into creating your security around consumerism. Okay. And so this is this is something that's deep seated and it's, it takes healing and education and behavioral change in order to turn it around. So, in other words, you fill in the void, you void fillers, yeah. you fill in the void. Yeah. You're trying to compensate with things to feel something that you're lacking. Yeah. Or or it's um, you're operating within a story. All right. And the story could be I'm not enough or I'm not pretty enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not strong enough, but whatever, it's a not enough context which causes you to go out and do something or bring something to yourself that's external mm-hmm. that can provide for you some type of uh, satisfaction or feeling of, you know, I've accomplished, I've done, I'm proving that I am enough. It's in that context. So we can say that shopping, spending, <laughs> money with bad behaviors is a drug. And I think bad behaviors is the key, is the key. Because, you know, I, I'll give you a perfect example, right? When me and Pam first got together, she looked at my wardrobe and she said, oh, no, mm-mm. you know, <laughs> you're pretty much a miser and you need to get out and get a new wardrobe and some new clothes and some new jeans and grandpa jeans. You know, so I had to go spend a little money, you know, mm-hmm. so I could update my look. All right. Well, the difference is. I didn't take away from bills that needed to get paid. I didn't take anything from my savings. I didn't change my pattern. You know, the, the money was there. And so I spent a, a budgeted amount of dollars to, you know, to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the difference. Right? So I don't want people thinking, OK, the next time I slap my credit card or the next time that I buy something, does that mean I have a not enough context? No. You have to look at what is it serving? What's the purpose? Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, let me just piggyback and take this outside of the norm. The funny thing about what you just said about you was mising, and you know, you, not mising. I, I don't, I don't like that word. I think it brings a negative connotation yeah, to it. Yeah. But you, you're, 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 you're frugal. <laughs> okay. Yep. You're, 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 and you know, I've, I've heard it other ways, like cheap. Right? Lanell, you cheap. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, so on my side of the table, if I don't present a certain look mm-hmm. or a certain image or wear a certain, absolutely then I can't produce or I can't give advice because right. look at you. How are you going to tell me something and you're looking a certain way? So it is amazing that, you know, your the lifestyle or we have to look a certain way. We have to be a certain – it's an image that we have to portray to feel like we've arrived. There's a, mm-hmm. You have to drive a certain car. You have to – it is just amazing to me. It behooves me that we have such a – 
crazy. I can't think of a word that could even put it in perspective. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's what I shared before. It's the, it's the context that we're operating in. Mr. Morgan, let me ask you this. You know, sure. so it's, it's tax season, mm-hmm. and we talked about ways that people lose money. And You know, I saw the commercial, H&R Block, and they said that we, you know, Americans are leaving a billion dollars on the table. Now, you as a business owner who had, you know, you have your own clientele, uh, not quite the size of H&R Block. You provide a much more intimate service. But, you know, would you agree? I would agree. I would agree. I think that's one of the best commercials that I've seen H&R Block do because a lot of my clients, mm-hmm. after they've been to various places, come to me. And when I look at things, I'm like, wow, they didn't do that for you. They didn't do that for you. Because the clients, the companies that they use, are the little stores that's open for three or four months out of the year, mm-hmm. and then they close for the rest of the year. <laughs> wow. Instead yeah. of coming to a professional. And they think that they're going to save money by going to those places and end up spending less with a professional than they do there. So it really behooves me to see how those companies are still in business. I'm shocked that the IRS haven't came into play and well, shut up. Well, why would down. they, right? I mean, they're they making the IRS money. <laughs> they are making the IRS money with penalties and fees and interest, I guess. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, by doing yeah. it wrong, I guess it's got to be amended. And, yeah, I yeah. understand that. But, yeah, I have a, a huge client base that um, – not a huge client base, but a, a comfortable client base that I provide a very intimate service with. And it's all about education, and mm. it's all about understanding. You know, do we need to change the exemptions? Do we need to do some things that's, that's going to make you some money or save you some money or reduce your tax burden or reduce your tax consequence? So absolutely. With that question asking, is there a billion dollars? I don't know if it's a billion, but the commercial hits home mm-hmm. that – TurboTax is not going to answer all your questions. It's just not. You know, and it's they're infiltrating the commercials and infiltrating the industry with that. And, you know, it's limited. It's limited. Cool. Cool. Well, you know, so, you know, maybe you can provide for us. I mean, you know, maybe there's a top three. You could think about this because I do want to get into the next question. But what are the top Mm -hmm. three things a person should know about, you know, questions they should ask about their taxes? And and I think that probably fits real well into the question I asked around, you know, so how do, how do we set money goals? I, I normally behoove my clients with what I, the first thing I ask and the first thing I come up with, the analogy after I looked at and analyzed the tax returns. I believe that no one that's a working-class family that's, should receive a refund. That's my philosophy. You said they should And, of course, I get the dear look. You should not get a refund. No one that is a working-class individual, mm-hmm. okay, with any type of family, any type of household, kids, or whatever the case may be, married, should not get a refund. The only ones that should get refunds are the ones with single, mm-hmm. with dependents, making less than thirty-five, forty thousand dollars a year. Those I can understand getting refunds because those are getting EICs, which are earned income credits. But the average working family that's making over fifty, sixty thousand dollars. When they come into my office and I see them getting a five or six, seven thousand, ten thousand dollar check back, they're going to get a lecture. They're going to get educated, and I understand that some people have to use that savings because they have no discipline to save. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they want to get that tax refund at the end of the year. I understand that for those, but for most part, you know, I want them to know that I don't agree with that behavior and the vehicles that. And I why not? Pay. Why not? Why specifically? Why not? Because I know you Think probably. I got listeners is, right now scratching their heads. The government is holding your money for. 14 months, mm-hmm. you know, 12 to 14 months, and they refunded and saying, thanks, Linnell. That's all they're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you <laughs> for letting me hold that. Thank you for letting me hold that. 
you know, mm-hmm. let me let me create some more missiles or let me create some more whatever we're going to use it for. Now, now, let's but, real quick, real quick, because I, sure. this, this is a, a poignant point. What's the power in them holding our money? The power? Yeah. They have all the power. That question is, uh, what's the power in them holding it? Yeah. They, can, versus, do, they can use they use our money mm-hmm. to stimulate this economy, to stimulate our world system. So let me, okay. let, me, let me flip it back over. What's the power in me holding my own money then? Okay, beautiful question. Think about it. This yours. You're up at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. You're doing the 9 to 5. You're driving to work. Do you get that mileage deduction? Absolutely not. It's called commuting miles. You're paying for gas. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there under scrutiny, you know, especially now. Right. You get off work. You're dealing with traffic. You got to come home. You got to pick the kids up. But I'm looking for what, what's, I'm, the, I'm, what's I'm, the benefit of them holding your money? Yeah, but I'm looking for I guess something else, right? Because if a family's getting back six to seven thousand dollars, that means that's money that could have been accruing. And I guess in my mind, when I think about exactly. my own finances, right, it could have been exactly. accruing interest somewhere. Exactly, it could okay. be accruing. That's uh, six thousand dollars right there is an IRA account. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a bond. It's a stock. It's something that could accrue some interest. It's a money market. Mm-hmm. It's something that you can do for you. Right. It's the same as account for an emergency fund. It's a, it's the same as account for a five twenty nine plan for your kids. Right. You know, it's something that's going to benefit you. It's not to benefit them. So what do we do when we get our refund back? Let me tell you what we do when we get our refund back. We go out and buy us a car. I used to use the car, the micro braids, go get an outfit and then we're broke. Yeah. And you know it's funny because a buddy and my a buddy and I were talking and, you know, he said I had he was looking to buy a car towards the end of last year. And I said, well, why don't you wait a bit? He said, no, nah, man, because they're going to hike those prices for the tax returns at the beginning of the year. And I'm like, you absolutely. know what? You are absolutely correct. You're not going to get a good price on the car this time of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. He's 100% right. Yep. Because, you know, the dealerships are, are happy around taxis. And I had dealerships call me trying to do promos hmm. with me. Listen, you bring your clients here. We'll do such a deal with you. And da-da-da-da. Wow. And it works. You know, wow. business is business. It only makes sense to do that business because guess what? They're going to go to those dealerships anyway. So if there's a dealer, a dealer that I, I, I like and can do business with, and I know the uh, individual looking for a particular car, would I do a referral? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, would I educate? Absolutely. But mm-hmm. I also would let that person know, listen, you're not going to gouge my client, right. period. Right. You know? Right. All right. So real quick, I want to I want to get this question on the board because uh, sure. it's important to me. And, you know, what advice do you have for young people on how to start creating good money habits? That's a huge topic because behavior starts in the home. And if behavior is bad in the home, normally the behavior is going to trickle to the children. Mm. If someone can break the cycle and start understanding that 10 percent of every dollar gets put away, mm-hmm. that person's wealth will be beyond imagination when they get 40 or 50 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I had the same education, but I wish I had the education now or someone had given me that education when I was a teen or, you know, uh, an adolescent. Now, can, Just, I, can, can I get on the soapbox real quick, sure, uh, sure. David, because, sure. you know, my listeners know, you know, often I'm, I'm on them. I'm on them about education. I'm on them about facilitative learning. I know we've talked before about all the different vehicles for learning in the information age, Google, et cetera. And what you're sharing is, again, you say you were going to say education a lot. I'm going to say it for you now. But I guess what I'm deducting from what you're saying when it comes to money for a young person is that they have to educate themselves. Absolutely. Or-
or get around a group of people or mm-hmm. get around some type of investment groups, get it into some type of programs that educate on money. Think about it. Linnell, do you think it's not systematic that the schools do not teach on money? Do you think that's by oops? Oh, no. I mean, I don't want to get to the point where it's on purpose. It's, it's on purpose, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Do you think, why would a university give a kid that never dealt with a credit card credit? Why would they do that? Oh, because they're putting you into the system, into the cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. Why don't they teach finance? My finance class has never taught me about money. It taught me how to be a, a slave to businesses mm-hmm. and how to, how to behave and make a business function. Right. My tax courses taught me what the government wants and requires me to do as a fiduciary responsible, responsible individual. However, it never taught me how to manage money. And, Not and, any and, of my classes. And that's so true. And I'll tell you, I mean, in all my years of schooling, I remember, uh, you know, mid-20s, I got really enthralled and interested in the stock market. And I also I actually invested in taking some courses on equity trading, option trading, cover calls, mm-hmm. naked calls. Anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, I had never heard of some never of heard these. That. Yeah, I never yeah. heard of it. it it's, yeah. just, it's not taught. Never taught. Never yeah. taught. Yeah. But you know what? Other cultures are teaching about money. Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't we? Yeah. It's all systematic to keep you in the cycle of buying, spending, and collecting. It keeps the, it keeps the wheel oiled. So would it be safe to say, and young people, those of you who are listening, and not just young people, but I'm really, I'm really pushing more towards the young people because the decisions you make now have an exponential impact. You know, I know that it's fun to, you know, spend time, you know, doing things, you know, watching videos, movies, but I, there are a lot of young people out there who I know, who I know want to be financially secure, who want to have financial wealth. And the best advice, and you know, you know, David, you can tell me if you, if you're wrong, but what I, what I'm hearing you say is the best advice is to educate. Take the time to educate yourself on how money works. The same way we educate ourselves on how our iPhone works or mm-hmm. how a computer works. Mm-hmm. Educate yourself on how this commodity that we all carry around that we have an emotional response to works. And you know what? Think about this for a second. Think about this one thing. You know, as a tax specialist, right, mm-hmm. one of the number one lacks of finances is taxes, right? And we're talking about taxes. You have to think about payroll taxes. The average payroll tax is 28%, okay? Mm-hmm. You make $75,000, 28%. You pay sales tax, 10%. Mm-hmm. You live in Chicago, nine and a half. You live in the suburbs, and nine, you live in the suburbs. Your property taxes are 6% based on the value. What do you hear constantly? Tax, tax. Everything you buy, food, tax, the first thing you got to do is understand the basis of finances and basis of taxes. Mm-hmm. It would change your whole thought process because guess what? I love the fact that my wife is a very frugal person. Mm-hmm. I love that. But one thing about her is she'll look at a price and then she'll say, well, this sales tax is going to take it to this. You know, I've never said that a day in my life. Hmm. I never said that. She opened my eyes to think about wow, I have to pay taxes on this. Do I really, really want it? Do mm-hmm. I really, really need it? Wow, yeah. Versus getting to the register and being like, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, this was three. This was three ninety nine. All of a sudden it's five right. because you got to pay tax. Right, right. You know? That's real, that's real, yeah. You know? That's so it, it's, that's it's, a, yeah. You got to think about it. Mm-hmm. You think about that. I mean, that's huge. You are, you are working your way to benefit 
someone else if you really think about it. Yeah. So let, let, let's get back to young people, though, because I, yeah, I cut you off and I shared okay, my, you know, and that's that's I think that's a so consider the tax is a great point. But are there any other points that you can distinguish that you would share with a young person about money? You must save. You must save. Now, the okay. vehicles for saving right now and my whole philosophy of investing in the stock market has completely diminished. I'm not an advocate of it. I've seen a lot of 401ks dwindle. I've seen a lot of pensions dwindle. I've seen a lot of broker's fees. And the things that I see, it, it pretty much disgusts me mm-hmm. that a person could work their entire life and, you know, think they're going to retire and have somewhat of a nest egg and see how it just dwindled down. But, but when you say when you say that comes to education, because I, what I find, yeah, yeah, because uh, what I find often is there's blind trust, you know, so I work a job, I have a 401k, I'm putting yeah. money in the 401k, I don't even know what they're investing it in. Exactly. And so it comes back to education so to understand, well, how do I need to diversify this? Do I really want 50% going to the organization I work for, or do I want to spread that out among the other, uh, you know, equity funds that might be a part of that portfolio? I think it comes back to education. It does. You have to look at it. Yeah. You have to stay on top of it. You have to be your own money manager. You really yeah, do. You do. And, but this is the thing, and I've shared this with my listeners before. There is so much entertainment coming at you, mm-hmm. so much to distract you from what's really important, from what's really, really, really important. And so while sometimes we're sitting up watching American Idol or I know Game of Thrones is about to be, I mean, we're so enthralled with these things, you know, on the back end, the money's actually leaking out of some of these funds that we have. Mm-hmm. Every single day, from a cup of coffee to McDonald's on your way mm-hmm. to dinner. Wow. Yeah, that's real. Going out, it that's leaks real. every day. Yep. So by the time you call the leak, you're 40, 50 years old. And you're sitting there trying to figure out, wow, what did I do with all this money that I made? It's leaking constantly. Do we have to eat out in the streets every day? Well, it's okay. not even healthy for you. I mean, <laughs> you know, let alone how much it costs. It's not healthy. That, absolutely. Yeah. But think about it. Do we have to eat in the streets? Do we have to have that extra do we have to have that material thing? Do we have mm-hmm. to? What if we just took that money and put it in a money market and just let until the, the market is going to change? The market goes up in this cycle. It will go up. It mm-hmm. will drop. It will yeah. go up. We need to start looking at vehicles, annuities, IRAs, mutual funds. You know, all that stuff is down right now. We understand that. You know, what is the average is paying 1% or 2%? Okay. But why don't we put that money away right now Why it is low? Yeah, so when yeah. it when it starts growing, we have that jump. lump sum there. Yeah, you know, and that's what people do. You have to ride averages. You just can't say, "Well, I'm not going to do it because it's low." No, you have to ride the average. Buy it while it's low, and just ride it out. It'll come back. This is America. Everything comes back. We thought the housing market was going to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, the same house that was a hundred grand was selling for what fifteen thousand. Right. Now the same house is back up to fifty. So it's everything in America comes back. Right. So right. we need to start thinking like this. Okay, let's let's do this now while we're young. Mm-hmm. While we're young, let's put it together. Let's start saving and get yourself in some type of organization, some type of group. Get like around some, some educated older people that's been there. Yep. You know, call us. You know, anything I can say that can be a benefit, call me. Yep. You know? Yeah. And I, I know uh, you have been the man that I've called. Hey, man, hey, David, I got a question right quick. <laughs> I'm looking at this. <laughs> Help me out here, brother. <laughs> so, I mean, you have been the man that I've called, uh, you know, down through the years. OK, so I have I have one question before we uh, end. And but first, I want you to share your information again for someone out there who maybe has questions and and wants to look you up. And then I, I want to get to make sure that we get this question answered. OK, my number is seven zero eight nine five seven. 
5090-9597-5090. The website is www.dlmorgan, F as in Frank, S as in Sam, dot com. And you can email me at taxes, T-A-X-E-S, at dlmorganfs.com. Nice, nice. All right. And I'll be sure to post that to my Inspirational Perspective Facebook page. So if you didn't catch that, I'll make sure that you have it there. Now, David, my question is this. Now, what steps can a listener who is struggling with money and, you know, making bad money decisions take Mm -hmm. to begin pulling out of their situation? Now, as a life coach, as a behavior, and believe me, I have people who pay me to help them do that. But give me, you know, two to three simple steps that they can begin practicing and noticing. I would say look at our behavior. Look at where we are. Look at what we have and see if it's that important. That house that we had to have, do we have to live there? Mm-hmm. That car that we drive, do we have to drive that? You know, those material things that we purchase, do we have to have those things? We need to start just self-reevaluating ourselves if we can do that. And look at the things that we're doing. I always tell people, it's not how much money you make, it's what you're doing with the money that oh, you yeah, make. Yeah. The same individual that can make $20,000, mm-hmm. Right, case in point, I have a nice client, beautiful client, doing well mm-hmm. as far as the money that they bring in. But I got that same client that make $30,000 and get the same lifestyle as my person doing 300000 Right. Yeah, and I believe that because you could take that money and put yourself in a bind regardless of the salary. It's, it's all about there. the behavior. Yeah. Because you know what? A person would make that kind of money is there. Yep. But the funny thing about it, when it dries up, they realize how overly they spent it's difficult to get back to that point. Yeah. So do we have to live in the half a million dollar house? Do we mm-hmm. have to? Do we have to drive the Benz? Right. Just one at a time. I don't want the Benz out there. It's <laughs> 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 a good time to buy a little Chevy something. You know what right, I mean? Right, right, right. Push you it know? around. Let like, that get, get salty. Yeah. Yeah, but it's all about images we talked about before. It's all about the look. It's all about, look at me, I've arrived. And if we can get past that and not worry about what people are really thinking and saying about us, but when when we're old and retired, and then those people that say the things about us now look at us then or look at us later, it'll mm-hmm. be a different conversation. Yes, it will. Well, David, thank you so much. David Morgan, everyone, thank you so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Have fun with you. All right. All right. All right. Uh, David Morgan asked him to get on the air this evening and share that with us. And like I said... You know, this is money is one of those wonky things. And so I will be dedicating, you know, some of these Saturday evenings to this conversation. So let me know what you thought about that. Did you get something from it? Would you like to see this revisited in the future uh, with with different guests? Uh, with you know, we have Mr. Morgan back. Just let me know. But I do have my thoughts. And, uh, you know, I think about these things and I always want to ask a question. And do you guys remember the milk commercial? And this is the one that would star a recognizable celebrity. And then that celebrity would ask, got milk? You guys remember that? And when the commercial aired, it would always seem so lighthearted and funny. You know, always be an athlete or, you know, somebody very recognizable. And it was an opportunity for those of us who drink milk to identify with a celebrity and their white milk mustache, if you remember that. Fairly harmless, right? Now, What if we flipped it a bit? Imagine the same commercial, but instead of advertising milk, it revealed a recognizable celebrity getting out of their luxury vehicle. 
dressed well, wearing very expensive jewelry, and then asking, got money? How do you imagine people would respond to that? You know, how would you respond? What would your response be? Would a commercial like that motivate and inspire you to work harder and do more to reach your monetary goals? Or would it anger and infuriate you due to its perceived condescending nature? Maybe you wouldn't feel any type of way about it. Or maybe you would just feel apathy, like, yeah, whatever. I believe the emotions from a large viewing audience of a commercial like the one I just described would have a wide range of variety and emotion. Why? Well, like I've said, people get crazy about money. So how do you feel about money? Will, you know, will that dictate your response to a commercial like that? You know, your situation with money, will that dictate your response? Something for us to think about, something, you know, I'm asking. Many of us relate to our finances in a very emotional way. And when it comes to the subject of money, we let our emotions dictate our decisions well before our logic gets a chance to weigh in. And we've talked about how emotions kind of dictate, you know, our decisions, but not just emotions, but our overall insecurities and maybe the context that I talked about of not enough. So this is one of the reasons money tends to be one of the biggest breakdowns in relationships. You know, a lot of divorces have happened. Why? Not because somebody cheated but because of money. And so some time ago, a very close friend of mine, and this is a personal story, a very close friend of mine borrowed my car. And when he returned it, you know, he put it back in the garage and everything for me. And so the next time I drove my car, I noticed one of my car's rims had been badly damaged. And I immediately felt myself getting angry with him. And my first thought was, how much is this going to cost me? And how could he be so negligent? And this thought made me feel a number of negative emotions toward my friend. You know how and this is the thing, right? This is my friend as somebody I grew up with. How is it possible that a four hundred dollar car rim could ever become the measuring tool of respect and meaning for a 35 year friendship? My relationship with my friend is priceless. And so thinking about possibly severing that relationship for four hundred dollars is irrational. You guys follow me? And can you see how the emotions with money can get in our way? Yet, I still entertained these thoughts. I did. And it wasn't until I caught my emotion that I began to realize that it was impeding my ability to rationalize the situation. And so later I came to find out, and this is the crazy part, right? I didn't address my friend on it. Later, I just went to go get it handled. And later I found out That one, he had no idea it was a mistake. He had no idea that he damaged the rim. But two, that it would cost me less than $90 to fix the wheel. And so anyway, my questions this evening, how do you make your money decisions? Is it based on a plan or is it based on emotions? And what's your relationship to money? And so consider this. Money is a tool. And the opportunity most of us have with this tool is to learn more about it so we can properly relate to it. Carpenters typically have a healthy relationship with the hammer and nails, right? The relationship is healthy and productive because they have been taught how and when the hammer and nails should be used. And so as we go through this tax season and the year progresses, take some time to really consider the role money plays in your life. Awareness is a foundational agreed ingredient for all change. 
How might an awareness to your relationship with money provide you additional access to your goals for financial security and freedom? This episode of Inspirational Perspective was recorded at the Midway Broadcasting Corporation in Chicago, Illinois, on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Thank you for listening. Go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at the handle Linnell Harris. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that handle. Text INSPIRED to 43783 to receive free inspirational quotes and updates.